Thank you for being here at the Life Center. Welcome. It's so great to see you today. Uh, and most of all, it is just, it's just great to be in the presence of Jesus this morning. Amen. You know, it doesn't really matter what's going on in life. If, if we can just have a couple of moments like we just experienced, it just seems to put it all in perspective, doesn't it? It just seems to make us, you know, it hel- helps me realize that it really doesn't matter how bad things may be right now. It really doesn't matter how good things may be right now. Just a moment in God's presence just helps line everything up. It just helps me get perspective that there is something bigger, there's something greater that I'm part of and you're a part of that gives us purpose for life. That's awesome, isn't it? Amen. It's good to see you here today. And um, uh, we just finished March Madness. It was a lot of fun, even for the non-basketball people in the world. <laughs> uh, it's, been, it's been great, and we're not going to talk about basketball today at all. <laughs> uh, it's, been a good, it's been a good time. So we're getting, getting ready for... For Easter Sunday, for Resurrection Sunday, and if you, if you uh, don't have a home church, if you're a guest here, we would love to have you on Easter Sunday, and, and you know, this is, this is the time of year when those people that only go to church twice a year, this is the one of them that's coming up to Easter, <laughs> right? Bring a friend, bring a neighbor, bring somebody. It's easy to get people to come to church on Easter because everybody goes to church on Easter. So invite somebody to come here with you. It's going to be a great time, but we're, we're going to take the next couple of weeks, and we're going to kind of take this journey that Jesus took. Um, on the way to resurrection. There was a lot of stops on the way, but on the way to resurrection. So we're going to talk about that a little bit this week uh, and next week. And, and, and kicking this whole thing off, you know, there's, there's these phrases that we have that we've developed that are related to things like that have a high value, that we place a high value on in life. So, so you've heard of some of these. There's, there's no such thing as a free lunch. Have you ever heard of that one? Right? And down south, there ain't no such thing as a free lunch. Basically... Nothing comes easy, right? Or there's another one for all the big, all the people in the room that, that their shirts are a little tighter than mine are. No pain, no gain, right? <laughs> I don't know what that one means, clearly. Uh, so these are things that, that you've heard of when there's, there's, a, there's a favorite in the Garrison household. This one came, I don't, know, I don't know if my dad started it. I mean, it's a common phrase, but I'm saying in our, in our family. I don't know if he started it, my grand, I don't know, but I've passed this along to my son. And it's this one, you got to pay your dues. You got to pay your dues. You know, when, when, when Nathaniel was whining about something, I'd be like, dude, you just got to pay your dues. He's like, what's that even mean? I don't know. So now that he's married and has a kid, he called me the other day. He's like, I, I kind of know what you mean now. <laughs> yeah, you got to pay your dues, right? There's just, there's, if there's something that you value, you have to invest something in it, right? If you want to appreciate something, if something has significance in your life, it's got to have an investment part to it. And so when we're walking this journey from now to Easter, the time of celebration, resurrection, rebirth, all that wonderful stuff, uh, there's a, there's a, there's, we're going to unpack something that's a common phrase, and you've heard this one, I'm sure, before as well, blood, sweat, and tears, right? Just blood, sweat, and tears. Sometimes it's, it's difficult. So we're going we're gonna to look at this because Jesus set a very, very high bar for us when, he, when we're talking about commitment and dedication. I mean, it just doesn't get any higher than that. <laughs> and, and you get sometimes the feeling that it's just not possible for me to live up to what God expects me to do and to be. I'm just not that good. But fortunately, he didn't leave us with a bar set so high that we couldn't get it without giving us something to be able to achieve it. And he said that he would, if, if we allowed his spirit to work in us 
Through him, nothing would be impossible, right? right. Nothing is impossible if we allow the Spirit of God to work in us. So we're going to unpack this a little bit today and next Sunday, building up to Easter. And today we're going to focus on, on, on exactly the example that Jesus set when it comes to commitment and dedication. And so I'm going to kind of enter into this, this scenario um, when Jesus really, his, his, his earthly ministry was just beginning. He had been baptized by John. Things were starting to, to take shape. Nothing significant had happened yet, but it was about to. And so he, he went into the wilderness, and the Bible says that he fasted and prayed for 40 days. So that's already a bar that's pretty high, right? Um, so he, he's in the wilderness. He's alone. He's separated from everything else. And he's fasting, he's praying, he's fighting, he's struggling, he's, he's, he's suppressing all of his normal, normal natural desires and tendencies to eat and drink and just live. He's just pushing all that aside to get clarity and focus. What is my mission? What is my purpose? What am I called here to do? He had a huge task, and that was to redeem mankind. He had a huge task to, to face, and that was beating death and hell and the grave. And all this stuff was in front of him. His ministry hadn't launched yet, but he's in this place of struggle and fight. And in this place, it was his crucible where his, his, his commitment and his dedication was forged in order for him to take on the, the calling that, that God had placed on him and what he was to be in this earth. And so he separated himself. And, and in this process of of intense pressure and struggle. This, throughout the rest of his ministry until he died, this became his North Star. That, that moment of, of commitment and dedication and the, and the focus and the intense uh, uh, um, uh, focal point of what he was called to be became his North Star, and it was the trajectory that guided him through the next three and a half years of his life. When he began to face a lot of opposition, there was a lot of pressure. There was a lot of things going against what he was doing. But he knew where he was headed. And because of this, he, he developed this sort of this strong passion and desire to face what was coming regardless of the outcome. It didn't matter. He knew what he was called to do. And so he knew that it would take a lot of uh, strong uh, intestinal fortitude. He knew it would take a lot of commitment. He knew he would have to be dedicated to the cause. And so in the process of this happening, he's with his disciples. They're all together at this point. It's in, in the, uh, into the, the, the apex of his ministry. Things are moving along. Disciples are talking about uh, what it means to follow him. And he's talking and teaching people. And people are like, I would like to be your disciple. I want to follow you. And so he begins to explain to them and teach them what it means to be a disciple, what it means to be a follower of Christ. And, and I want to, uh, at Luke penned these words, and, and I want to pull out a little section of what Jesus said when Luke captured it. And he said this, Jesus was talking about what it means to be a disciple. And he says this, he says, suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? In the middle of talking about being a Christ follower, Jesus drops this in because he's wanting people to understand that there is a cost to consider. There's a cost to consider. And a couple of verses down, he says this, Or suppose a king is about to go to war against another king. Won't he first sit down and consider whether he is able with 10,000 men to oppose the one coming against him that has 20,000? What Jesus is doing here in, this, in his teaching and these, 
These, these people that are following him that are wanting to sign up, you know, where can I sign to be a Jesus guy? I want to do this because they've watched him take five loaves and two fish and feed 5,000 people. I mean, who doesn't want to sign up for that gig? I mean, free lunch? There is free lunch. Apparently, I was wrong in the beginning. There is free lunch. <laughs> so they're seeing miracles. They're seeing miraculous things happen. They're seeing people that can't speak all of a sudden begin to speak. People that are blind, Jesus touches them and their eyes open. So there are people that are just following the feels, man. They're just like, I'm digging this. I want to be part of this thing because it's awesome. And in all that, Jesus says, hey, hold time out. You've got to consider the cost. It's not all fluff and, and, and feel goods. It's not all just emotions, and it's not all just uh, passionate bubbles and, and just tulips and loveliness. That's just not what it... Because Jesus knew that what he was doing was not going to always be the miraculous. Someone has to pay the dues. Someone has to commit to the cause regardless of what is happening around you. And so when he's setting this expectation... And he's, he's helping people understand that you have to consider the cost. We have to realize that, that sometimes Christianity and following Christ gets painted by the wrong canvas and the wrong brush. Sometimes it's all about loveliness and peacefulness and happiness and contentment and joy. And while all those things are wonderful, there is a level of commitment that comes to being a follower of Christ that has to come from the grit inside of you. Right, You have to know that you know, not everybody's going to like what I'm doing. Not everybody's going to follow this, this, this plan of me following Christ for the rest of my life. Not everybody's going to understand why I'm committing to something that I've... Not everybody's going to get why I'm committed to faith. Not everyone is going to understand that. And so there's going to be opposition. There's going to be things that will come against you. There will be pressures that will come. And you have to consider that cost before you truly dive in. But I can tell you this. When you consider the cost and you weigh it out against everything else, you will win every time when you're following Christ. It doesn't matter what pressure comes. You're going to always come out on top when you're following Christ. And Jesus didn't just, he didn't just talk a talk. He walked the walk. And he set an example for us to follow. And oftentimes it feels impossible to achieve, but we know through Christ we can do all things, right? We can do all things through Christ who gives us strength. So when Jesus is really about to, he's launching his ministry, he's in his hometown, he's in the church in his hometown where he grew up, and he's reading from the prophet Isaiah, and he reads this, and Luke captured this as well. He said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Now this happened <clears throat> and he read this passage of scripture in front of everybody. And then he rolls up the scripture and he says, "Today this prophecy is being fulfilled before you." Okay, so try to take yourself back a few thousand years ago and this is Joseph's kid. This is the kid that crawled under the pews during prayer. You know, he was a kid, right? This is Joseph's kid. Joseph's grown up in this town. I know his granddaddy. And this joker is just up here, read from the prophet Isaiah and said it was talking about him. Okay, that's like me standing up here. Y'all know me for a while. And I say, I read the scriptures like, that's me. I'm the son of God, <laughs> right? Everybody's like, what? So you know, oftentimes we read these snapshots of Scripture and we, we just don't understand. How come people didn't just understand that this was Jesus talking? Couldn't they see it? 
They couldn't see it. They couldn't see past their normal thinking, the normal process of life. This is Joseph's son. They watched this guy carry out sawdust from his dad's workshop. Like, how is he the Messiah? How is this? And so they had a hard time. Most of them couldn't wrap their head around it. Most of them could not grasp that this really was the Messiah that was in their church on a Sunday morning reading the scripture and saying, today they're going to get to see this lived out. So Jesus set the stage. He told them right up front. Once he had established what he was doing, what he was committed to and dedicated to, he just made it public and off he went. And you can read in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, if you haven't read them, you should read them because it talks about the story of Jesus. It talks about what he went through. And let me just tell you something. When Jesus made his commitment to set this course, to follow this path that is set in front of him, he faced tons of opposition. He faced great opposition. There was always people trying to snare him and capture him. They were trying to trick him with his words. He faced all kinds of oppression and pressure. Multiple times the crowd wanted to stone him. In fact, in his hometown, they tried to stone him. They got really upset when he said he was, a, he was the fulfillment of Isaiah's prophecy. And they drug him out of church and they were wanting to stone him. Right? He faced all these things. One moment the crowd's cheering his name, the next minute they're cursing him. The same people that said Hosanna are the same people that said crucify him. There's such discrepancy. He was falsely accused. He was rejected. He was misunderstood. He was misrepresented. All of these things he faced in just a short three and a half years of his earthly ministry. So when he set his mark where he was going, he knew there was going to be a lot of hell to pay. And I mean that in a very literal sense. Opposition, great opposition. But here's the beauty of what Jesus does. He left us a very clear message. And you ready for the message? The message is simple. Bad things happen to good people. The message is simple. Tragedy will strike the people that you feel deserve it the least. Good people die, bad people live. Good people get cancer. Bad people seem to have everything going their way. He left a clear message that hardship comes when you're trying to do the best that you've ever done. He left a clear message that says you will be falsely accused, you will be rejected, you will be misunderstood, you will be misrepresented. He left a very clear message that following Christ is not all daisies and tulips. Sometimes it's just plain old hard work. But the beauty of his message is he did not stop there. In fact, he was with his disciples in the last, uh, what we call the Last Supper, they were celebrating Passover. His disciples were there. They were having a grand time. It was a festival. It was something that they all had grown up knowing and doing. It was a tradition. It was steeped in tradition all the way back to when they were set free from Egypt. So this was a big deal for them. The entire city was shut down for Passover. They're sitting around the table. Everybody's happy. And Jesus slips away from the table, takes off his, his robe, and puts on a towel and grabs a basin of water and begins to wash their feet. Minds blown. This is not how this works. The master doesn't wash the feet of the servant. It just doesn't. You're breaking all the rules. But Jesus says this. He says, I've set you an example that you should do as I have done. See, when we look at the life of Jesus and we know that he's the son of God, we know that there is no there's no weapon, there's no opposition that can break him. He is God in the flesh. But then he looks at us and he says, I want you to do what I do. 
I want you to follow in my steps. I want you to do greater works than I showed you what could be done. These are things that he set as a bar for us. The level of commitment that he showed is so great, so much higher than what we could possibly achieve. But he tells us, you can do it. He says, very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than the master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. So let me tell you this. Take heart. If you're having a tough time right now in life, it's okay. Look at your neighbor and say, you're going to be all right. If things are not going the way you think they should be, it's going to be okay. If you're trying your best to do the right thing, but every time you try to do the right thing, five bad things happen to you, just know it's going to be okay. He set an example that we can follow, and if we put our confidence and our trust in him, he'll help us have the same level of commitment and dedication if we have to do, you know, if it's blood, sweat, and tears, if it's everything we've got within it, if no pain, no gain, all those phrases that capture the emotion, it's okay. He did it first. He showed us that it can be done. As we journey the next couple of weeks towards the Resurrection Sunday, you got to know that, that that moment, the resurrection, is our greatest hope. That is what we as Christ followers hold on to. That is our hope that one day this body will fade away and out of it will come a soul that will live forever in a place filled with peace and perfection. That is our greatest hope, that there is hope for beyond the grave and there's hope for tomorrow. But until you get there, you got to understand it's going to take a little blood, sweat, and tears to make all that stuff happen. Right? Pastor Scott said, made a statement a few weeks ago that has resonated with me. He said, the gospel and selfishness cannot coexist. I mean, that's a statement to put on a bumper sticker or a t-shirt or a tattoo on your arm so you see it every day. You got to know selfishness and the gospel don't coexist. Why is that? Because it's contrary to who he is. It's not about me once I find him. It's about him in me. Right, And so when we're talking about the commitment and dedication to following Christ, it's bigger than what we are. It's bigger than who we are. It's bigger than what we're capable of being. But yet he doesn't leave us in our, in our, in our state of inability. He says, I will enable you to rise above that if you just keep pressing on. Right? Doing the right thing always costs something. Doing the right thing will always cost us something. Standing up for your faith in Christ will cause some people to reject you or scorn you or make fun of you or set their clocks for when you're going to fail. And they're happy to point it out when you do. I told you. There's plenty of Job's comforters for all of us. Choosing to become all that God has created you to be is not a cakewalk. I'm not sure what a cakewalk is, but it's not one of those. (laughs) You know, you hear it oftentimes at Life Center. We, we focus on, on a practical gospel. And the reason why we focus on a practical gospel is because I believe we serve a practical God. In this context, he lived a life of supernatural things on earth. I, I'm going to ask for a show of hands. All right, you ready? Pay attention to the question. When was the last time you prayed for someone who was blind and their eyes opened? Show of hands. We got a couple. That's amazing. How about a dead person? Have you prayed for a dead person? They, well, we got one here, right? Most people aren't raising their hands. Doesn't mean it's not true. It doesn't mean it doesn't happen because it does and it will and it can. 
But where we live is in between the pages of the Bible. On the parts of the Bible where no one writes about. We read about the apostles and the disciples and their, their reel of life that looks incredible. But what about the days that that's not captured? What about the days when it's just normal, when they just went to work and Paul was just so intense? I mean, what about the days when life just seemed very mundane and very normal? Who is capturing that? The point that we believe here is Christ walks with us on those days, on the days when you're just feeling normal, on the days when you're just like, man, I'm just tired. I just want to go to bed. I don't feel like getting out of bed this morning. On the days when work is just overwhelming, on the days when your family is driving you crazy, on the days when nothing is working right, your car won't start. It's got a flat tire and a dead battery and a blown head gasket. I mean, everything is happening. That's where Jesus is. And that's where we are. It's not always about the hype and the emotion. It's the grit that keeps us Monday through Thursday when things are not wonderful. That's where Jesus is. And that's why we believe in preaching a practical gospel. Because I don't want to hear about some amazing person that never seems to have anything go wrong in their life. I can't relate to those people. Right? I grew up in church, right? Picking bubblegum underneath the pews. I didn't need it. I don't think. And I've heard so many messages. I've seen so many incredible things. And I remember, I was actually in college at this point. And we had had, a, I went to a seminary, so we had these events where they'd bring in guest speakers for days at a time. We had church, lots of it. Lots of church. I have church, extra church to spare. If you need some church, I can give you some. We have plenty of it. And I remember one time, I mean, this was just, this guy was just, so dynamic. And I mean, he was just, wow. And he was always talking about these amazing things that God was doing in his life. And I was just like, wow. And I remember talking to a guy that, um, he, he really helped me a lot that time in, in college. He's one of the, one of the deans there. And I was like, I, I just don't get it. I like, I don't know how to live like that guy. I mean, everything he talks about is way up here. Like, everything amazing happens in his life. It, it's not working for me. I'm not making the connection. I'm here. He's out here somewhere. And it felt so impractical, and it felt so unattainable, and it felt so way off in the distance that I began to develop this sort of skewed perspective of how God viewed me. That's why we preach a practical gospel, because God loves you if nothing fancies happen in your life. God cares about you if your job is very boring. God cares about you if you're a librarian. That was the first boring job I could think of. God cares about where you live. In fact, when you look, you, you got to go home and read the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Just go home and read them. Because when you look where Jesus was in his ministry, he was never in these kind of places very much at all. He was generally where normal people were, where you and I would have been. Right? He would show up at my job or your job. Or he'd show up at Walmart with the rest of us. <laughs> we need Jesus at Walmart. How many can I get amen there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Paul explained it this way. Right? Paul explained it this way when he was writing to the Christians in Rome. He said this. He said this. It's amazing. He said, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of the world, 
but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And I love this next line. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. You want to know what God wants for your life? Just say here, here's Andrew. This is the body I'm giving you. Just take it and make something happen. Right? That means if I'm hammering nails somewhere or I'm shoveling something, or I'm in an office, or whatever it is I'm doing in my life, all I have to do is be committed enough to say, this is it, take it. It doesn't matter what I think or what expectations I set or what I envision this till. It doesn't matter. What matters is if I'm just committed to seeing what God will do with this life. That I, let me tell you this. Many people will be saved. Many people will believe in Christ. They'll confess their sins. They'll receive his spirit, and that's wonderful. Not everybody will experience the wild ride of understanding and knowing what God's perfect will is for their life. Because not everybody has the grit. Not everybody has the level of commitment. Not everybody is saying, you know what, I'm sold out to this. I want to see what God will really do if he really gets Andrew. I want to see what God will really do if I just let him take the wheel, right? And just let him drive this life. What will it unfold? What will happen? Instead of judging all the good and bad against whether God is happy with me or mad at me, let's just let God let our life unfold and let him do with us what he designed us for anyway. But we've got to be committed to it. It's going to take a little blood, sweat, and tears, but you've got to be committed to see what God is going to do out of it, right? It takes some grit, y'all. It takes some grit don't ever settle for less than what God wants or has for you. Hear me, I'm talking to somebody today. Don't ever settle. Don't give up when it gets tough because something greater is on its way. Don't stop when everybody else stops. Don't accept good when you can achieve great. Don't believe the lies that tell you you aren't good enough, you're not smart enough, you're not pretty enough, you're not loved enough, you're not exciting enough, you're not wonderful. Forget all that stuff. What does God say about you? What does he say about what's inside of you? I tell you what he said. He said, I've set an example for you to follow. Just follow in my steps and something amazing Amazing will happen in your life. Yes. Here's the beauty of it. Jesus knew you'd be discouraged, frustrated, tired, worn out, and want to quit and throw in the towel. He knew it. So you know what he did? He did it first. He fought first. He endured it first. He hasn't asked us anything of us that he has not already experienced and done and overcome. So we're not fighting a losing battle. You may feel like you're losing, but you're not fighting a losing battle. The one who holds your heart has already conquered anything and everything that comes your way. You just have to believe it. You've got to sell out to that truth and know that God's not going to let me down. Well, I'm excited. How about you? <laughs> he did it first. He purchased our freedom first. Hebrews chapter 12. Love this. And this is, this is the setup for next week. Therefore, since we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, if you know, don't know what that means, just look around. There's a lot of people around. Let us throw off everything that hinders, all that fear, that doubt, those insecurities, that anxiety, that I'm not good enough, that I'm not going to be, you know, everything God, I'm not, all, throw off all those things that hinder and sin that so easily entangles us. 
And let us run with perseverance, blood, sweat, and tears, no pain, no gain, the race that's marked out for us. I love this. I love this. Fixing our eyes on Jesus. Why does he put that there? The reason why he puts that there is because if you look at someone who's already done it, it gives you hope that you can face it. If you look at all the casualties laying around, you're not going to try. But if you look at someone, it's amazing to me. Go back in history. Every athletic record that is broken, once the athletic record is broken, in that same year or the subsequent year, all kinds of people break it. Have you ever noticed that? Fastest man, as soon as that happened, boom, everybody's doing it, right? It's like once a record is broken, the ceiling busts open. And then everybody can do it. Why is that? Because people are looking for something that can shatter the status quo. And when you find that, they fix their eyes on that. And if you can do it, I can do it. If he did it, then surely someone else can do it. So he puts this in here to let us know all this stuff is going to happen. But fix your eyes on Jesus because he's the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. He, and for the joy set before him, he endured commitment, dedication, the cross, scorning its shame. The King James Version, I like it better. It says despising the shame. He hated it. He hated it. He despised what it represented. He despised everything about it. But he did it anyway. He endured and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Worship team, you guys can come. Consider what he did so when things get extremely difficult for you, you won't lose heart. Consider what Jesus did for you so when things really amp up and it gets to be too hard, you know it's already been done. You don't have to get too many people in the same room to know that people have frustrations and struggles and life gets hard, right? Would you agree with that? I mean, it's not always easy. Sometimes things happen that you're just not prepared for. Sometimes pressure comes that you're just, man, can I catch a break? You know, you just, you, you get home after working and you're just dog tired. Not necessarily just because the day was tough, but because so much stuff is going on in your life. You're not getting a break mentally. The pressure's still there. There's still decisions that need to be made. There's still an emotional breach between me and my, my kid. There's still, there's, there's a problem. My, my marriage, it's still, I'm fighting hard, but we're still just, we're just not clicking. It's not working. You know, school is just breaking me. I just can't catch a break. Been sick, and then finals, and on and on and on, and, and my boss is annoying, and, and I'm not going to get the promotion. I'm, gonna, I'm getting passed over again, and, and I'm just, I'm frustrated. I'm tired. Things aren't going the way I planned them to be. This is not exactly how I pictured my life. This, none of this stuff is, is, right? Is this just me? It's where we live. And the beauty of our Savior is he doesn't live in a glass golden throne room so far away from his people that we'll never achieve. No. He shattered all of that and came down to us. You know everybody in this room was born better than he was? 
I'm, unless, is there anyone that was born in a food trough in a manger? I'd like to see. No, right? Right. Just ordinary. Just ordinary. He had to work with his hands. He had to be a man. He had to fight. He had to struggle. He went hungry. He did all that. The Bible explains it. He did all that so that when we approach the throne of God, we're not standing there alone. There's nothing. Oh, I hope somebody's listening this morning. There is nothing that you are facing right now that he has not already felt and has already overcome for you today. Nothing. Let's stand together. I, I, am, I am so charged right now. Because I know, I know that God has a plan for your life. It may cost you a little something. If you want to live the best you've ever lived, if you want your life to make a difference, be ready for a little blood, sweat, and tears. Get some grit and say, you know what, God, I've committed to you. Take this body. I'm offering it to you as my reasonable service. I'm committed. I'm signing up. I'm signing my name on the dotted line. I'm in. I've considered the cost. I've weighed it out. And sticking with you is always going to come out better. So I'm in. I'm committed. I'm going to do this. And know that when you do, you'll face hell. Know that when you do, opposition will come. Know that when you do, things will happen. And you're like, I thought I was a Jesus follower. How's this happening to me? doesn't matter. He's right there with you. You will see something amazing unfold out of your life that you could never have anticipated. If you've never committed your life to Christ, I'm encouraging you to make that decision today. I'm encouraging you. I'm, I'm begging you to because let me tell you something. It'll change your life. Consider the cost. The cost is this. You live the way you want to live right now and you have no hope of eternity. Or you commit to God. Let him change your life and make a commitment to eternal hope and eternal life and a life on this earth that matters and amounts to something. I mean, that's an easy decision to make, isn't it? It's all he asks for is commitment from us. And if you fit in that category of just being worn out, just tired, prayer team, I need you guys to come. You're tired, you're frustrated, you're exhausted, you're weary. You're like, I just cannot do this anymore. I want you to know that Jesus said this, my favorite verse in the entire Bible. Talking to his disciples, telling them a lot of horrible things that were gonna happen. But then he says this, I've told you these things so that in me, you may have peace. <laughs> because in this world, you will have trouble. But take heart. Isn't that awesome? I have overcome the world. He doesn't set a goal impossible. He sets a goal that's impossible without him. And we link arms with him. Friend, get ready for the ride of your life. Because God will do something incredible in you and through you, and He'll touch other people along the way. And that's what we're called.
to do. Thank you for being at Life Center today. It was a privilege having you, and I'm excited about what God's doing. Looking forward to a big Easter that's coming, and um, just hope you have a great week. Be blessed. If you're a first-time guest here with us today, please stop by our VIP booth. We're so thankful that you chose to join us today, and we hope that everybody has a wonderful, wonderful week, and it is our pastor's wife's birthday, so make sure you show her some love today. She minus another year. That's how it works. When you get to a certain point, you go the other. Right. All right. God bless you. Have an amazing week.